0: All right, I think that's it. Let's spend some time uh, in prayer together. We're going to pray from Psalm 67 this morning as a prayer over us as a congregation. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy for your rule of peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God our God will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Yes, Lord, you are worthy of praise. May the praise come off of our lips this morning. Maybe if we're in a rough spot this morning, maybe far away from you, that we would come running back to you, the source of hope and joy and eternal life. Maybe this morning feeling joy that we would come and be renewed in that joy and that peace that only you can give. I pray as we look at your word this morning that you would be the one that leads us with the power of your spirit. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we've been going through this series, I've been asking uh, people to come up on stage to answer a question. But this morning I'm coming down to find someone. <laughs> 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 who. Who's going to make eye contact with me? I actually have a prize for you, too. So does anybody want it? Oh, oh, yeah. Now, now there's a prize. Okay, Krista, I saw you put your hand up first. Okay, so Krista, what? uh, Sure, you want to stand up, you can. Hey, it's Krista. Everyone say hi to Krista. Uh, (laughs) So Krista, what's your favorite food to eat? Ice cream. Ice cream. Awesome. That's a good food. Uh, Where do you think history is headed? The history of the United States. Where do you think we're going? I think we're going in a circle. I think we all think it's getting worse. Like Brian and I have this conversation, like the world's getting worse. Mm. And then you read the Bible and you're like, no, it's the same. Like it's just this (laughs) ugly circle that just keeps going. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you. Great job. You did an awesome job and I have a prize for you. Now, I don't know if I have ice cream. Let's see. I've got, I've got, uh, how about Tropical Smoothie Cafe? That's close to ice cream. You probably get a smoothie with ice cream in it. There you go. Thanks, Krista. Good job. All right. See, that wasn't that hard. This this whole series, we've been uh, asking you to ask questions for the gospel, and uh, if you have some stories of you asking questions, we really want to equip you. That's the whole goal of the series. We want people that are cheer for, disciple makers, and we want to equip you to do that. We want to equip you to make disciples. So this morning, as we're talking about the consummation, as we're talking about Jesus' return, as we're talking about the person and place of Jesus, I know many of you know Jesus. So I want you to listen with different ears this morning. Not necessarily just for yourself, but to be equipped for other people. So that when you hear these truths this morning, that you're making a note of it so that when you share with your friends, when you share with your neighbors, when you share with your enemies, when you share with people, that you're able to be equipped to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus. I know there's people here this morning that don't know Jesus, and that's great that you're here too because you're going to hear a lot about Jesus and what He's done for us and what He's continuing to do in our lives. So the goal of this series is to equip you to be workers for the gospel. And we want you to do that by knowing the one story of the Bible, and we want you to do that by asking gospel questions. So if you ask a gospel question this week, just like I asked Krista, where do you think the history, where do you think history is going? Send me an email, and I'd love to hear your story. Uh, we're trying to gather some stories of of sharing, even if it doesn't go well. That's okay. I want to hear that story too. We want to hear those stories, so make sure you do that, so that we can open up gospel conversations to those that are in need. We're going to look this morning in John chapter 14, and we get to hear some of the words of Jesus this morning. John chapter 14, starting in verse one: Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me so so that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Our purpose is going to come up on the screen, and I want you to say the purpose this morning, but I want you to think about it in the context of the scripture that I just read, that Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life. So you say this purpose with me. It's to reach and transform people by the power of the gospel and biblical community. As we look at Jesus and the truth here of him coming back, we see that he came to seek and save the lost. And then he's coming back to make all things new. That's the point for this morning is Jesus is coming back to make all things new. And as we look through the one story of the Bible, we see that we're made for a person. Every single one of us here on this earth, we're made for a person. We're made for Jesus. We're made to worship him. Even people that don't yet recognize that, they were made to worship him. So we're made for a person, and we're also made for a place. We're made for heaven, and especially the new heavens and the new earth, that Jesus is going to come and restore all things. So as we walk through the one story of the Bible, we see that the person, the relationship we have with Jesus, and the place— changed throughout that story. In creation, as we learned the first couple weeks, the person was there. Jesus was there in creation, and we were able to have a relationship uh, with with him. And we also had the place. It It was perfect. There was no flaw. There was nothing wrong with it at all. The person and the place was there in creation. But then the fall came, and the fall affected everything in our relationship with Jesus. And so we no longer had that person, and we certainly didn't have the place, did we? I mean, that perfection that was here on earth was marred. And we see that every day, don't we? We see that every day. I mean, you see, you've seen it in your week this week. Whether it be something happening personally in your life, something at school, something on the news, we see that creation is marred, and there's no place. There's no That that place of perfection in heaven is gone. But then redemption came, and I love that Jesus didn't leave us in our sin, didn't leave us in our mess, didn't leave us in our junk. No, he came. And when he came, he restored that relationship, uh, us with him, because of the steps that he took, because of the life that he lived, because of what he did. He restored that relationship. So now we can know the person of Jesus. But is the place made perfect? Are we living in a perfect world? No, that place is still not restored. But soon, and very soon, the consummation, and sometimes you hear that word in the context of marriage, but this is a, a little bit like that because Jesus is the bride, that we're the bride, and, and Jesus is the head of the church. But, uh, But this context really is a a culmination of everything. It's achieving the goal. It's the final state of things. It's Jesus returning and making all things new where we'll have a relationship with a person, of course, but we'll also be in that place. We'll not be in a place that's marred by sin. We'll be in a place that is perfect and wonderful and amazing. So this morning, we're going to talk about the person of Jesus. And remember, listen with ears that you be equipped so that you can share this with others. And then we're going to talk about the place and what that's like, and we're going to spend a little time uh, going through that. The key verse in here, one of the key verses in here, is Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And a lot of people uh, really struggle with that. Sometimes people even ask me, do you really believe that there is one way? Do you really believe that there is one way? And that... I think sometimes that's that's a a smokescreen question. So when people ask me that, I ask them, well, my answer, if you listen to my answer, is actually going to make a difference in your life. It's actually going to make a difference in your view. Would you actually consider the answer? Because if not, then let's just not waste each other's time and even even, uh, talk about it. See, when, when, when people ask questions, sometimes they're just trying to distract us. But sometimes they are sincere. And that question about there only being one way, it's so interesting. It's almost always directed at Christians. It's not directed at, at Muslims or Mormons or Hindus or Buddhists. It's directed towards Christians. And people think that because there's only one way, because Jesus says that there is only one way, and that he is coming back, that it's so exclusive. But isn't truth exclusive? I mean, two plus two equals what? Oh, you're so exclusive. <laughs> really? Couldn't it equal five? What, what, about, what about domestic violence? Isn't that always wrong? I mean, is that exclusive that we say that that's always wrong? What about racism? Isn't that always wrong? But is that so exclusive? See, it's interesting, in things of life, people don't mind uh, saying, yes, this is exclusive. Yes, this is absolute. But with things of faith, people tend not to do that. They just say, if you're sincere about your faith, then that's okay. If I sincerely believe that 2 plus 2 equals 5, guess what? I'm always wrong. See, sincerity has has nothing to do with, with truth. Jesus says, I'm the way and the truth and the life. He's giving us a way out of our sin. And because of that, we should rejoice because we shouldn't have any way out of our sin. I mean, if I asked you, how do I get to Miami from here? What do I do? What do I do? How do I get to Miami from here? What's that? What happens if I head north? What if I go north on ninety-five? What I'm like, no, 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 no. I don't believe your absolute truth. I don't, no, I'm gonna head north on 95. Doesn't matter how fast I go north on 95, I'm never getting to Miami going north on 95. It's not going to happen. There's one way south to Miami. And that's the same thing with with how we get to heaven. There is one way, and I'm so thankful that there is one way. I'm so thankful that Jesus proclaims this, and he actually doubles down on this. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. He makes it very clear. And some may see that as exclusive. Some may see that as absolute. But I rejoice that there is a way. I rejoice that there is a truth. I rejoice that there is a life because each and every single one of us are in our sin. And as we learned a few weeks ago, when Adam and Eve was in that Garden of Eden, and it didn't last very long, they punched God in the face. They spit at him and said, no, we're not going to do it your way. We're going to do it our way. But every single one of us does that, don't we? I mean, I, I do it all the time. All the time with decisions that I have to make. I'll get caught up in my way, I'll get caught up in sin, and I'll say, you know what, God? I got this. I'm going to do, do it my way. But when we do that, we don't recognize the power and the strength of what He has done for us. See, there's a big difference when we're talking about who Jesus is and Him returning. There's a big difference between religion and... And our belief in Christ, in in Christianity, in the gospel. Do you guys know how to spell religion? You guys spell religion for me? It's really simple. You guys ready for this? You guys are all scared. You're like, am I actually supposed to spell it or is he tricking me? Religion is spelled this way. D-O, do. That's how religion is spelled. Religion is about go and spin that Tibetan prayer wheel all day long because if you do that, maybe God will accept you. Religion is you have to pray a certain way at a certain time because then maybe God will accept you. Maybe God will love you then. Religion is do this, do this, do this, and then maybe, maybe God will accept you. But the gospel is is spelled so much differently. Now you guys know, right? What's the gospel spelled? D-O-N-E. That's the gospel. D-O-N-E. Jesus has done all the requirements. So yes, we're saved by works, but it's not our works, it's Jesus' works. That's how we're saved. We're saved by what he has done living a perfect life. What he has done, dying on the cross. What he has done, defeating our sin and death and raising from the dead, victorious. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And we need to cheer up about that. We need to cheer up that our sin is far worse than you could ever imagine. Aren't you happy about that? You're way worse than you think you are. <laughs> Woo! That's right! That's right! We should be happy about that because when we realize how bad our sin is, and listen, I'm with you too. I'm way worse than I think I am. But when we recognize that, then the gospel is so much better. The gospel is way better than we could ever imagine. It's way better because our sin is so heinous, but his love and forgiveness is so good. I mean, it's so interesting people arguing and being upset about there being one way. I mean, let me just use this example. If I was trapped in here, don't try to get out of here. I can still see you, Okay, So don't try to leave, Okay. If I was trapped in this box and I had no way out except one way out, should I be upset? Should I be like, no, I wish there was multiple ways out. I need multiple ways. No, no, I'm just glad that there's one way out. I'm just glad about that. I'm, I'm thrilled that I can get Thank you for, <laughs> thank you for your pity claps of, uh, of, of that. <laughs> I was trying to move on, but I saw three of you like go like this, like, oh, Andy, great job. Great job getting out of that box. <laughs> Y'all are ridiculous. <laughs> oh, man. I'm, I'm not upset about that. I'm not upset about that because I can get out And when we're in our sin, we should be thrilled that there is a way out. And and that's what Jesus is proclaiming here. He's proclaiming that we're lost, we were trapped in our sin. In in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says that he's a seeking and saving Savior, right? He came to seek and to save what was lost. He came the first time to seek and to save us, and he's going to come again the consummation of all things, the consummation of the kingdom, and he's going to make all things new. And what should should our reaction be? Well, in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, it's, it's pretty simple what our reaction should be. We should be thrilled. We should be thrilled. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. See, when life beats us down and distracts us, and there's so many worries and anxiousness. Man, I I get caught up in this all the time. I forget about how great the gift that God gave me. I I could be trapped. I could be stuck for all eternity. I could be my sin away from God forever. But because of what Jesus is D-O-N-E then I get to live forever with Him in eternity. What an amazing truth that is what an amazing hope that is if you've never put your faith and trust in Christ won't you do that this morning don't be trapped don't worry that oh it's only one way it's so exclusive listen you're trapped in your sin you're 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 going to die in your sin you're going to go to hell you're going to spend all eternity away from god and i deeply care about you and the people in this room deeply care about you we want you to accept christ as your lord and savior because when you do that his righteousness becomes yours And the sin, all the ways that you messed up, that goes on him. Put your faith and trust in Christ. See, other religious leaders say, follow me and I'll show you how to find truth. And Jesus says, I am the truth. And other religions say, follow me and I'll show you the way to salvation. And Jesus says, I'm the way. I'm the way for eternal life. Other religious leaders say, follow me and I'll I'll show you how to be enlightened. And Jesus says, I'm the light. Of the world. Jesus has, has, has done it all. Jesus has done it all. He's rescued us from our sin. He's given us the pathway out. I remember many years ago sitting on a mountaintop in India with a bunch of guys. We thought we could handle it because we were full of testosterone and we probably didn't listen to our wives. And we're up there on this mountaintop, and I thought this is it. I'm going to die here because we all have altitude sickness. We're all extremely hurting. We're all Our bodies are aching. Our heads feel like they're going to explode. And the guide that was with us said, you need to come down. You need to come down off the mountain. I'm going to guide you all the way down and then get you out of this mess. And I'm so thankful that he did that. I'm so thankful I could return home. And I think spiritually, that's exactly where I was at at Flagler College in my sin, stuck in my sin, made a mess of my life, have no hope, no chance for for redemption on my own. And people pointed me to the Savior. They guided me to the Savior. They guided me to Jesus. and I'm so thankful that they did. And many of you have been guided to Jesus. Many of you have been told about Jesus. Many of you have accepted Christ. And because of that, I want you to be equipped to be able to share the one story of the Bible, to ask gospel questions. It's so important, right? It's the most important thing that we can do. You're equipped to share that Jesus is the way. We're on a disciple making an adventure. We called it an adventure because it is that. It's a life full of excitement and adventure and joy. And yes, there are hardships, of course, because we still live in a sin-scarred world. But even through those hardships, we get to see God moving. And that's what we're equipped to do. We're equipped to share that Jesus is the way, that he is the truth, that he'll provide you with the wisdom and the guidance, the people that are in your life that need to know about Jesus. He's going to give you the words to say. The Holy Spirit's going to guide you. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you to share the truth and, and that he is the life. That you're able to to share with people the life that you have in Christ, how you're able to overcome difficulties, how you're able to find true joy. And He invites you to be a part of the party of the ages. You guys ready to party? I mean, it's going to be an amazing party. Jesus is coming back, and He's going to restore all things. This isn't a fairy tale story, this is real. You guys that know Jesus know that he is real. You know the Holy Spirit works in your life. And that's just, that's just part of the story. The last chapter is he is going to come again. I love question 28 of the Shorter Catechism. It says, what does Christ's exaltation consist? The answer says this. Christ's exaltation consists in his rising again from the dead on the third day and ascending into heaven and seated at the right hand of God the Father, and in coming to judge the world at the last day. John chapter 14, verse 3 says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Isn't that awesome news? He didn't just say, see you later. He said, no, I'm I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come back, and I'm going to bring you with me. Acts 17 says, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. He is coming back. And over the centuries... There have been many different arguments and debates about the view of Jesus coming back. There's all kinds of different ways from premillennialism to dispensational premillennialism to amillennialism to post-millennialism, and some of you have no clue what any of those mean, and, that, and that's okay. That's okay. And some of you know what those mean, and you guys want me to dive deep into it. Well, I'm not going to dive deep into it, but I am going to share a few things because I think this is really important. That instead of brothers and sisters debating like crazy and forgetting about lost people, I think you're on the right path for Jesus coming back if you apply these biblical views of what Jesus coming back means. Is that first of all, in in Scripture we see very clearly that there's a visible bodily return of Jesus. That he's actually going to come back. That we're going to be able to see him come back. That he's actually coming. It's not just some fairy tale. That there's going to be a resurrection of all men and of all women. And there's also going to be the judgment of all men and all women. Those are the foundational things about Jesus coming back. Him being the way, the truth, and the life and Him coming back. Those are foundational. Also, I think you'll avoid serious error if you apply these views of biblical truths about Him coming back. One, no one will know when Jesus is returning. There was a guy once that wrote 88 Reasons Why Jesus is Coming Back in 1988. And then 1988 came, and you know what he did? He wrote a book called 99 Reasons Why He's Coming Back in 1999. No one knows when he's coming back. But it it is a biblical truth that we are in the final days. So we need to be prepared. It could be today. We're not waiting on anything else. Jesus could come back today, and he waits Uh, patiently we wait patiently for him coming and he he hasn't he's delayed his coming because there's people that need to come and know him but it could be any time that christ's kingdom already exists that we're a part of his kingdom here on earth and yes it's not fulfilled fully but his kingdom is here on earth we see that all throughout scripture that we're a part of his kingdom we're a part of the big sea we're a part of the big church and then finally he'll, he'll return without warnings are signs outside of the preaching of God's word. That's why it's so important we dig into God's word. It's so important that I'm preaching this to you to remind you that Jesus is coming to not only prepare yourself to trust in the way, the truth, and the life, but to tell others. There's going to be no other signs. There's not going to be a sign in the cloud that says, I'm going to come tomorrow. No, there's no other signs besides the preaching of God's word. And so we need to be prepared for that. He's coming back to make all things new. So that's the person, the person of Jesus, and 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 what about the place? When he comes to make all things new, what does that mean? What is it going to be like? And we need to meditate on this a little bit more. I mean, many people that I talk to, Christians included, have no clue what the new heavens and the new earth is going to be like. They have no clue about where they're going. I mean, isn't that weird? I mean, can you imagine going on a space mission with NASA, and you're going to Mars, and you're about to blast off, and you look over to the person next to you, and you say, do you know anything about Mars? And he says, nah, I don't know anything. I guess we'll see what happens when we get there. It's going to be a big surprise. And I think that's the way we are as Christians sometimes. We, maybe because we don't like thinking about death, maybe because we love this life too much. I don't know. But we need to think about where we're going. Because we're going to spend all eternity there. And it ain't going to be on a cloud playing a harp, okay? It's going to be a whole lot better than that. One of my favorite quotes from, uh, from John Eldridge, he was the guy that wrote Wild at Heart, one of my favorite books. And I love this, what he wrote in his book, The Journey to Desire. He said, Nearly every Christian I've spoken with has some idea that eternity is an unending church service. Are you excited about that? Yeah, right. Don't even try. You cannot bribe me with your claps. I know you're not excited about that. We've settled on an image of a never-ending sing-along in the sky. One great hymn after another, forever and ever, amen. And our heart sinks. Forever and ever. That's it. That's the good news. And then we sigh and we feel guilty that we're not more spiritual we lose heart, and we turn once more to get everything we can out of the present life. You see how important this is? If we don't have a good view about where we're going to spend all eternity, we tend to be so focused on this life because I don't want to spend eternity in the church service. I don't care how good it is. I don't want to do that. Well, thankfully, and I better get an amen on this, that ain't what it's like. Pitiful. Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. And I've got to tell you this, all, you, all of you that love the sea and all you surfers, don't be discouraged, all right? There is going to be a great river running through the great city and I'm sure there's going to be 10 foot glassy waves on it, okay? So that's all good, all right? It's going to be all right. I saw a holy city the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and he will live with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he'll wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He was seated on the throne and says, I'm making everything new. And he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. All through Scripture we see this. In Isaiah and in 2 Peter, I'm making a new heavens and a new earth. And we're going to talk even in further length about this next week as we go through Revelation 22. But i got to give you at least a little something this morning as we talk about the place. I mean, think about what this is saying. Think about what these words are saying. Anybody here have aches and pains? Anybody? Anybody? (laughs) Yeah. Anybody have struggles? Anybody have fears? Anybody have anxieties? Anybody have people in their lives that are struggling with illness? Yeah. Anybody been affected by someone with cancer or someone with an infection or someone with a disease? It goes on and on, right? Some of you are, are struggling in your relationships. Some of you are struggling at school. So the struggles are endless. But there will be no more pain. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more tears. There will be no more disease. We can't even fathom what that's like because it's so good. It's so amazing. First Corinthians 2.9 says, No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived What God has prepared for those who love Him. I mean, we can hardly conceive it, but I'm so grateful that God gives us a little bit of a glimpse about what that's going to be like. And it's not just this unending church service. It's so much better than that, but even what He's describing here, our minds can't even conceive it because can you imagine living on earth without any sin anywhere? We can't even imagine what that's like because sin affects us so greatly. But Jesus is coming back to make all things new. And as we look through Scripture and we just see a, a quick overview, a quick study of what we see in Scripture about the new heavens and the new earth, first, we see that there's a river of life. We see that there's other natural wonders. You ever stopped and looked at a sunset here on earth? I mean, that's, a, that's in a sin-scarred world. Can you imagine what the sunsets are going to be like? Can you imagine what creation is going to be like? Can you imagine what things are going to look like in the new heavens, and the new earth? I love that you'll have emotions. God created us with emotion, and in Scripture we see uh, talking about the martyrs that have died and have gone to heaven that they cried out, and you can't cry out without without emotions. I love that we'll all look unique. Uh, we'll be us without any of our flaws. That's pretty cool, right? That's pretty amazing. I don't, I don't know exactly what we're all going to look like, but it, Scripture says that we'll all look unique. One of my favorite things, there's going to be great feasts. Oh, man, last night, just on a whim, we just happened to, to be uh, going downtown on the trolley train. We like doing that, and it's free for the month of September. We go down there, and all of a sudden, we just run into all these people that we're friends with. And it was great. They just grouped us into their group, and we go to Mojo's Barbecue. And I get the, the Kansas City burnt ends. Oh. Woo! Yeah, that's some good stuff. And I'm serious, as I'm eating it, I'm thinking about this message and thinking, this tastes amazing. This tastes so good. I can't even fathom what the feasts in heaven are going to taste like. The food must be indescribable, but we're going to get to enjoy those feasts. We're going to learn things in the new heavens and the new earth. That he's revealing new truths to us. So we're gonna continue to grow. I'm not sure how that even works with, with a perfect in a perfect place, but we're gonna be able to grow and learn and, and get to know God better. That there's gonna be work there. And I think that sometimes when we think of work here on earth, sometimes we get discouraged, sometimes we get bummed because we have all kinds of difficult things in work. How many of you have a lousy boss? Can I get, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not gonna raise your hand. But those are the things that we, we struggle with. The copier breaks, the, the, the people that we work with are a pain. But in heaven, we're going to get to work for God and his glory, and it's going to be awesome. That there's going to be communication in a single language. Last week when Pastor John Gary came up here and prayed in Creole, I don't know exactly what he was saying, but I just feel the spirit in him and him leading us in that prayer. How cool is it that all the people that we partner with for church planting all around the world, all the people that are believers for all time, we're all going to get to communicate. We're all going to communicate in a single language. I'm, I'm thrilled to think about that. And that he's making all things new. Jesus is coming back to make all things new. Make all things new. So that means that there's going to be new art. And there's going to be new music, and there's going to be new sports, and there's going to be new relationships. He's making all those things new. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be amazing. And yes, we're here on earth for a mission, specifically to lead and disciple our families and our neighbors and our coworkers, to let them know about Jesus. And that's why I'm challenging you this week to, to ask people, where do you think history is headed? So I want you to do that right now. Just turn around to someone. Turn around to someone. I want you to ask them. Go ahead. Go want you to ask them right now. Where do you think history is headed? Go ahead. Go ahead and do it. Go ahead. Go ahead and do it. If you don't know someone, that's all right. That's all right. Get to know someone. You're in a church. You're in a church. I, want, I wanted you to actually have the words come out of your mouth. To know that you're actually capable of asking a question you can do it you can ask those questions and when you do that they're probably going to ask you back and when they ask you back you have an answer where's history headed jesus is coming back why to make all things new let's pray together lord i thank you for rescuing us thank you that you didn't leave us in our sin thank you that you care for us deeply Thank you that you're going to come again to make all things new. And I know sometimes in my brain, it, I, I can't even fathom what it's going to be like. It seems uh, indescribable, and it really is. And so I pray when we think about those truths, we think about all the ways you've moved in our lives, we think about how faithful that you've been, that we would have thankful hearts, and we have hearts of boldness to be able to share the gospel with others, and that we be able to come to you prepared, prepared for you coming again.